You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 671 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Tuesday evening, and the majority of today's podcast will be an interview that I did with Seth Partnow at The Athletic. Uh, Seth is a former Bucks front office member, um, now over there at The Athletic, talking about general NBA stuff and uh, analytics, etc. He's a very, very smart guy. I hope you guys enjoyed that talk. Before, before we get to it, I want to uh, break down some news that happened on uh, Tuesday, or since Monday night's uh, recording couple of news, I guess, newsy things. Also, a little bit of a, a mini preview of Wednesday's game against the Brooklyn Nets. Um, first and foremost, I think in terms of the importance here, Kevin Herter returned to 5-on-5 five five practice on Tuesday for Atlanta, and he has now been upgraded to questionable for Wednesday. I don't know anything beyond that when it comes to whether he'll play on Wednesday or not. And I've said this before, but the Hawks do have three full days off after this game. So unless he is you know, fully ready to go 100%, no question about it, I would probably hold him out in the spot, um, giving him three days of extra time and practice and preparation to get ready to go. But he might be ready to go. We'll see. And if he plays on Wednesday, that would be obviously a good sign. I would imagine if he plays, he will not be at full strength in terms of a minute's limit. I would I, I would guess he's not playing 30, 30 minutes out of the shoot after missing um, you know, 10, 11 games with uh, with injury. But that's obviously good news that Kevin Herter might be back sooner rather than later, even if we kind of already knew that was going to be coming in the near future. Elsewhere on the injury report for Wednesday's game, DeAndre Hunter is listed as doubtful for the game with the finger injury that he suffered that we discussed last night on the podcast. By the way, if you missed anything from last night's podcast about the game and the win over the Golden State Warriors, go back and check that out. I, uh, a typical game podcast, but a lot of interesting nuggets um, in, in there, I would hope. At any rate, Hunter's uh, finger appears to be generally okay. Lloyd Pierce told the media via Sarah Spencer of the AJC on Tuesday that Hunter had said he actually wanted to play on Wednesday, but um, he didn't practice with the team on Tuesday, and as a result of that, is listed as doubtful. Normally, doubtful means you know very likely to not play. So we'll see if he's able to maybe recover a little bit faster than expected on on Wednesday. But I would assume he's not going to play at this point. Uh, that's not inside information at all. Just kind of reading between the lines when it comes to the the doubtful listing when they could have gone questionable if there was a little bit more optimism that he was actually going to play in this game. Uh, the third injury update of the uh, of the single day was with Alan Crabb. The Hawks announced on Tuesday that Alan Crabb underwent a, a non surgical procedure on his right knee earlier in the day on Tuesday over there at Emory, and he will miss Wednesday's game at the very least. His stats will be updated after that from the Hawks. It is worth noting that this is the same knee, the right knee, that he had an arth- arthroscopic procedure on in April, and that's the same knee that cost him the beginning of this season. So not great. Uh, that's all I know right now is exactly what was announced by the Hawks, so just that it was a non-surgical procedure. It could be relatively minor, but considering it was the same knee, that's a little bit of a, re- of a red flag in some ways. He missed the game on Monday with flu-like symptoms. Also, Chandler Parsons has flu-like symptoms this time around, so maybe that's coming around the lock at this point in time some sort of illness with uh, Parsons being questionable actually uh, with that same at least with the same listing on uh, on Wednesday but yeah as for Crab, nothing beyond that you know he's not been very good this year I'm certainly someone who is pro Alan Crab in terms of his floor spacing but the way that he's looked this year, maybe it's knee-related. Maybe maybe it's just a little bit rusty after missing a lot of time. Basically, he missed six-plus months of, of NBA basketball time with the with the knee stuff. But he's still, you know, he's only 27 years old. It's not like he's old and washed up, but maybe the, uh, the knee's been bothering him a little bit. 
his shooting is valuable if it comes to fruition, but the rest of his game is a little bit spotty as a result of that. He's not been great so far, but we definitely want him to be healthy, so uh, there you go on that with Alan Crabb. Um, no point spread as of this moment. I'm recording about 8 o'clock on Tuesday. I usually like to give you that that information about Wednesday's game. Um, it is worth noting that Kyrie Irving and Karis LeVert have been ruled out for the game on Wednesday. Neither one of those is a, is a surprise. They've both been missing the last several games for Brooklyn, um, but that's worth putting in the back of your mind is that the Nets are also shorthanded in this game. They're coming into Atlanta with full rest as well, though. No uh, no back-to-backs for either team for the game on Wednesday, and I would expect that Brooklyn will be favored. Probably not, probably not by a whole lot, though, considering their shorthanded nature. They have been playing pretty well they are 500 on the season at 10 and 10 overall and uh, just as a note here I wrote a, a sort of a quick refresher slash quick hit piece about the Nets obligation to the Hawks in the draft and because the Nets are coming to town, it was a good time to do that after 20 games of action, about one quarter of the season. But as a short note here, Brooklyn owes a first-round pick to the Hawks. It is lottery-protected, though. So best-case scenario in the short version of this would be that the Hawks would love it if the Nets were the number 8 seed or number 7 seed, even 6 seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, basically, what I've been saying to people is that you want Brooklyn to be about 500 this season because 500 is almost certainly going to get you a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, but also wouldn't get you terribly impressed of um, a terrible, impressive playoff spot right now. Basically, all the projection systems either have Brooklyn have as the number seven team or the number eight team in the East, and that is exactly where Hawks fans should want Brooklyn to be. Because you know, looking ahead a little bit, this is a lottery protected pick for the next three years. So if they were to miss the playoffs, the pick does not go away. But Kevin Durant is back at the end of uh, this season, and Kevin Durant is very good at basketball. You would presume that this is the best opportunity for the Hawks to get value out of that pick. So if you get the 15th or 16th pick this year versus the 25th pick next year if, if Kevin Durant is back at full strength, that's not a small difference. I know it's not a massive one either. It's only 8 or 9, maybe 10 slots, just as an estimate there. But still, if you can if you can sort of go out and grab a mid-first-round pick this year and have it be, you know, because the bottom of the East playoff standings is almost certainly going to be the 15th pick in the draft based on what the Western Conference looks like. So if the Nets win 39 to 41 games, that's the best case scenario for the Hawks. And keep that in mind throughout the season. Right now, Brooklyn's exactly 500. So that's where you want them to be. And uh, that's something to just keep in your mind as they uh, play the Hawks. Somebody asked me today if it was uh, worth rooting for the Nets to win over the Hawks on Wednesday because of the uh, draft stuff. I would say no to that. It's still way too early for actual stuff like that. And honestly, you know, one game in the pecking order, and with where the Nets are, you know, there's something of a top tier. Unless there is uh, injury stuff, it looks like it's sort of a three-team tier, in my opinion, between Brooklyn, Indiana, and Orlando in the uh, in that range of six, seven, eight. And there really isn't a whole lot else um, above that that could really slide down, barring an injury or something like that, to Miami or Boston. And then on the bottom end, there isn't a whole lot in terms of teams that would scare you. Maybe if Detroit got going, um, maybe that would be the the logical one after what they were able to do last year, making the playoffs. But um, it looks like right now, again, we're estimating to some degree Brooklyn is in good shape to be the 7th or 8th seed, maybe 6th seed at the very top. Um, so keep that in mind. But yeah, wanted to at least remind you about that if you want a little bit more of a written piece on that. It is on peacetreehoops.com right now as we record this. Okay, with all of that stuff out of the way and looking ahead to what is a definitely a winnable game for the Hawks, on Wednesday against Brooklyn. I'll be in the building for that one. But um, after a quick break, we will get into our discussion with Seth Partnow. So stay tuned for that and hold on for a word from our sponsors. Seth, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you on this fine Tuesday? I am doing well. A little bit of a little bit of a cold because, you know, I have kids and it's the winter. <laughs> so that's what happens. But other than that, doing pretty well. I'm, uh, I'm very glad to hear it. For people that don't know uh, 
your work necessarily. You're not been on this podcast because I was. Uh, I guess I'm, I guess I was too scared to ask you to come on the podcast. But um, you were. Well, I was, uh, also wasn't allowed for you know a couple of years. I was that's doing true. Other I, I was going to say <laughs> you were a little busy for a while, but uh, now you're back in the public sphere and you're at, you're at the athletics. I'm sure people can find your work. And if people didn't know it, they probably interact with you with you a little bit this week because you were uh, on a Q and A with Chris Kirshner about the Hawks. So I thought that was probably good timing to uh, yeah. bend your ear a little bit about the Hawks. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, uh, try not to try not to, uh, to lob too many grenades in that one, but I, but I guess, uh, I guess there certain nerves were touched based on some of the comments and responses to that piece. Listen, you were, uh, you were asked to do it on the heels of a 10 game losing streak. So there's only so much <laughs> you can kind of do, uh, since then they are one and oh, uh, cause they won on Monday night in a game that was, you're welcome. And it, yeah, that game was, uh, <laughs> I would say unwatchable would be a kind description of that Hawks Warriors game on Monday, yeah. but hey, they won comfortably. So well, and that's just that. That's just the you know the the Peachtree Unis. Yeah, it was oh. it was uh, it was very. No, I, I I'm I'm not I'm not I'm I'm out on those. You're, I'm out you're, on you're those not in. Court. Oh, I understand. No. I understand. It's, yeah. They're very divisive. I've seen people that yeah. really like them. People really don't like them. So mm-hmm. I'm not too surprised by that. But alas, um, well. I was going to ask you just as a big picture sort of thing here. Obviously, not having John Collins and Kevin Herter for a while now has been pretty big for the Hawks, and the schedule has been quite brutal as well. But uh, there's some disagreement on how much, I guess, the absences and how much the schedule has kind of tanked this team so far. I was going to ask you sort of broadly what your expectations were for the Hawks this year because I, I was a little bit, I don't know, I was probably somewhere in the middle when it came to the Hawks, but I always said that it was going to be a struggle early on, and it has been a struggle early on, so I'm not really surprised by this, but how are you feeling about the team right now? I mean, I thought they'd win about 30 games this year, maybe, you know, and, and probably a little, just thinking a little more under than over. Um, so they're, it's them struggling, especially given that um, at this point, like, Collins might be their most effective NBA player. Like, obviously in the long run, like Trey is probably the most important player, but like in terms of like winning a basketball game tonight, Collins probably does more to move the needle. Um, so missing him for, you know, the bulk of the season now. Yeah, that kind of matters. And then you combine that with, you know, how, you know, what proportion of their minutes are they giving to like first and second year guys? Like this is not a recipe for a team that's going to be uh, super competitive night to night. Um, and that's fine, you know, for, for, where the team is. I mean, obviously you'd prefer to be more competitive on, on the given night, but you know, I don't, maybe this is kind of the, 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 the process lover in me, but uh, <laughs> like, you know, would you, would you be digging out more wins if they were giving, you know, 30 minutes a night to Alex Len? Yeah. They probably have a win or two more, but so what? Yeah. Like, aren't you, aren't you better off? Like, Letting like, you know, even if even if okay, well he I guess he's not he's not an answer going forward. Isn't it worth just finding that out about like Damian Jones and kind of seeing what Bruno Fernando has? Um so that's that's kind of my you know, it doesn't make it I'm sure it doesn't make it more pleasant as a fan, but in just thinking big picture, that's that's where I would be if I was kind of um in, involved in, in plotting this, this this team going forward. Yeah, I totally get it. I mean, my example with that has been, look, do you do you want to not play Cam Reddish? Because Reddish is the most clear example, I think, of a, of a guy who is obviously, a, at least in their minds, a, a key part of the future for this team, but also is clearly a losing basketball player at the moment. So your options are not playing a guy that you drafted with a top 10 pick this year on a rebuilding team or playing him and taking the lumps that come with that. So it's there's a lot of those different things across the board here. I do think that it's not as bad as it's, 
been so far. Um, once Collins and Herter come back, like it'll be better than this. The schedule's been brutal, but because th- obviously they're not they're not on a, 30, on a thirty-one pace right now or anything close to that. But uh, you know, I, it was all kind of expected when you combine the factors, and then of course the Collins suspension is so brutal because I think people will be surprised to hear the way you just discussed him when compared to Trey Young in some circles. But with the way that he was defending early on this year, and granted it was a smaller sample, with the way he's playing defense, he was you could argue. I mean, Trey is their most in- indispensable piece offensively, but Collins, when you factor in the defense, it wouldn't be hard to make the argument that he is the most in- indispensable piece on the team because they, they have nobody to replace him on either end of the floor. I mean, Jabari is kind of doing some of the things John Collins does offensively, but obviously not on the defensive end. So, I mean, what do you make of just that loss in general? Because that's kind of something I've been, har- I would say, harping on for the entire time he's been gone is they just, they just don't have anybody to replicate that role. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, he's he's kind of... Of their of their like you know Jabari is he's a he's a he's a three four probably at this point more of a four but like of of the like Collins is the only like above average NBA big on the roster and so you take that off and then you know you can't defend the rim you can't rebound you like you the the pick and roll game suffers and I think like you know if you I I talked about in the piece a little bit but like you know Trey Young's shot profile becomes much more difficult. I don't, it's not, you know, you don't want to, you know, imply perfect causality to if if Collins was there, but it's not hard to see that, you know, he would he might be shooting a little bit less, and those shots he would be those fewer shots he'd be taking are kind of some of the harder attempts that would instead be going to Collins on the roll or or Collins in the pinch post or or, or something like that. So I think it's 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 a, it's a massive impact, and then you know Herder also like, you know, like should Cam Reddish be getting some minutes? Uh, you know, I was not a particular fan of him as as a well, draft prospect. No, no one that sure. likes numbers like Cam Reddish in the draft because <laughs> he was not yeah. a numbers prospect. It's, but, but you know, if it, but if you know if if Herder's if, you know if Herder is available, you know Herder is in that spot, and that puts Reddish down like kind of a spot down in the pecking order. Into all right, let's let's you know let's play him for you know six or seven minutes a half, and and you know get him the reps instead of we're going to start him and and he's going to you know when we're going to get our our teeth kicked in for the first you know five minutes every night because you know we're 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 starting a guy who's not an nba level player right now um and and so uh, those injuries are just you know it's a team that didn't have a ton of margin for error and has had things go wrong so this is kind of where you are yeah, you built a roster that really couldn't afford to have two high-profile absences, and then you have them yeah. in the middle of your worst uh, part of the schedule. Yeah. So it's not that hard to figure out what happened there, but uh, I always wanted to always tackle that as we get... I guess they are coming off a win, but still 1-10 one, one in, in the last 11. Um, anyway, I was going to ask you a little bit about Trey in general, because you know, in some ways it's a big-time credit to him that he's been able to be as efficient as he's been so far because of how difficult his life has kind of been with a lack of options and how much attention he's getting. Um, so there's that part of it where Trey offensively has been really kind of awesome this season, but then there's a defensive end and sort of the ever evolving debate about how much he's giving back and all that. So, I mean, where do you kind of stand on Trey? Because I know obviously in Atlanta, he's beloved and he's carrying the offense in a way where if he's off the court, they can't do anything. But then there's the whole other side of the court where, there was some marginal improvement early in the year, but I think it's kind of started to backslide a little bit as his workload has gone back up. So I'll back up a little bit because uh, this is this is a kind of a, a slightly bigger topic, and unfortunately, it necessarily involves talking about Luca as well. Uh, but uh, uh, I've, there's kind of a, been a change in how 
like oh, more and more teams are going to a style of play that's completely centered around one kind of driving force. And, you know, obviously the Hawks are one, Dallas is one, uh, the Lakers are playing that way, the Bucks, uh, the Clippers, although that, that might change now that Paul George and, and Kawhi are playing together more, uh, and the Rockets. Like, and that's, that's you know, you're, you're all of a sudden talking about, like, you know, a fifth of the league that's, that that's you know, and it used to be like one or two teams are playing that way. And I'm not sure the tools we have to evaluate how good a guy is are up to the task of, as, you know, we're developing it's almost the the analog to how much more important the quarterback position is in football to everywhere else. Um, and so I don't know that that it, it Trey's hard for me to get a handle on because he's doing so much. But that's that's a lot of that is by design. And so I don't know completely if we know how to evaluate whether that design is right you know, maybe if we get to the point where 30 teams are playing that way, then you can say, all right, well, you know, he's the he's the ex best quarterback type in the league. But we're not there because it's a pretty new thing. Um, and so the short answer is like, yeah, he's doing a ton, but that's the team is geared for him to do a ton. And they've you know, the pieces they've added are, you know, there's basically no one on the roster aside from like Herder who is comfortable enough with the ball in his hands to take the ball out of his hands at all. And you know that's 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 an un, that's unusual for a, for a team to be built that way, and so he's doing unusual things, but they're by design. And you know, are, are, are how impactful are they? I'm not sure. Like, um, it's better that he's doing these things than he's not in this in this opportunity. But you know, um, <clears throat> is that the right way to build a team? I don't think we know yet. And it's and we certainly don't know if it's the right way to build a, build a team on a guy as around a guy as as kind of diminutive as, as like you know you want to say you want to run everything through LeBron and on you know on both ends and make it work and I, I don't think I don't think it's a slight on Trey to say that one of these things is not like the other. No, I mean he has to. It is definitely something that we haven't seen a whole lot of to have somebody play the way he is playing at his size. And it's not his fault they've asked him to do this, um, but they have asked him to carry this. I mean, he'd, be, he'd have a top 10 usage rate even if they had everybody available. Like, that's, that was the plan coming into the season. It's been, it's been even more magnified without Herter and without Collins. But this is a team that didn't sign a backup point guard. They have Evan Turner as the backup point guard or Ty Wallace, however, however you want to say it. They don't have another ball handler that's anything close to a primary on the roster. And Herter, I do like his on ball a little bit, but he's still something somebody that has to prove himself on that role too. So they've... They knew it going coming into the season. It's been even more pronounced. And, you know, Trey's done everything that you could possibly ask him to do. I think he has 60% true shooting after last night, which is pretty crazy. I'm not sure it's sustainable necessarily. But with his passing and his shooting at his size, like he's kind of doing what you would ask him to do. But at the same time, to your point, we, we just don't know a ton about how it's going to work. They have to build, they have to put better pieces around him. And clearly the pieces right now are not as good as they need to be. But it is kind of a question mark in some ways, even if it's not his fault. Yeah, and it's you know it's and of course they're not foreclosed to add you know other no uh, other other like you know on ball talented players around him, and so it's uh, but you do but you do worry about like what the ceiling of that kind of of one player being that dominant is unless they are you know in the greatest of all time conversation. So you know I think you know the the uh, the Thunder. Westbrook experience, even though they're not really comparable style wise, I think that there are some parallels to draw there. Like it can get like 
maybe that can get you to a certain point, but you probably need more. But at this point, like the Hawks would obviously take being where like the Thunder were the last three years. Yes, so, they would. <laughs> you know, it's like what? So what? So like, what bar are we aiming at here? And what? What's the? What? You know, what? 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 Uh, how? How? What curve are we grading them on? I guess is the question. Um, yeah, there's definitely and, a philosophical. And, and maybe, and, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say there's definitely a philosophical conversation to be had because you know they they yeah. tore down from a playoff like a boring playoff team, a boring bad playoff team, yeah. but they had a playoff ish team, and they tore. And if you're tearing down to rebuild, ideally the the plan there would be to build a contender. And yeah. there is a question to be had as to whether this is the best way to do that, but this is the path they've chosen. So it's like, right. here we go. And, and, well, and, and the fact, like, regardless of how this con, like how, what, how we resolve this conversation, the fact that we're even having this conversation about Trey Young is like good. Yes. Like that's a good, good sign <laughs> that you can even, they can have that even like, and, and even have that conversation and not have, and, and people are like, what are you talking about? So, so, you know, I, it's, again, it's hard to grade exactly, but like that piece of it has to be encouraging, even though I think that, that like, um, that, that I, I'm sort of naturally cautious on such things that like, you know, if you're talking about him being a top 20, top 15, top 10 player, that's a high bar. And so you start to get like, yeah, you nitpick because you have to look at who he's look, look at who he has to leapfrog to be in that level. So you start picking nits. And so that's, you know, that's why the, like the, the, if, if you're aiming for that, that's when the criticism gets sharper. And so like, I guess I would encourage your listeners to keep that in mind that like him being held to a higher standard is actually good because it means he's in a different conversation. Yeah. That's actually good. Way getting that. in that conversation and just getting in that conversation is, you know, I, He's he's already like I've 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 fessed up to this on Twitter. I've kind of taken the L. I did not think he would be this good, like ever. Um, so he's so he's already kind of surpassed kind of my expectations for him. And now it's just kind of sort of what the natural limitations of his physical stature, kind of his physical stature and kind of his um, defensive. I don't know what's what's the euphemism du jour in Atlanta for his defensive. <laughs> Uh, I usually just oh. say like limitations is be what I would okay. say. I, I just try to make uh, it as mindset as maybe is what sure. I'm going for. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's not, uh, the most styled in guy and you, and you throw that on top of his physical stuff and it, you get a player that's going to struggle on defense. It's not really anything new, obviously, but, uh, by the way, you were not alone in taking the L on Trey. I did talk a little bit about his ceiling outcomes, um, before the draft, but I was certainly not envisioning this in year two. So I'm also too, I was also too low on him. So I think we, I think most most people were not everybody, but most people. So you were not alone. I, mean, on I, th- that one. I think the the his um, the thing that that <clears throat> that he's done like better earlier than I thought was his ability to change to kind of play at his his own pace and get by guys with change of speed, change of direction. I mean that like his uh, you know his now patented like right to left crossover to rejecting a ball screen. Is you know it, it, it seems like everyone knows it's coming at this point, but it's 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 a good enough move that it doesn't matter. Um, and and but his ability to kind of not just you know straight line speed, but like with craft and trickery, you know, get by NBA level defenders um, is you know it's kind of you just don't you know, going from college to, to to you don't you don't really know if he can do that until you see him do it, and now you know. I passed the first little bit of last year. It's a full year basically of seeing him do it. So that's, you know, that was going to be a swing skill for him and it's come out in his favor. 
yeah, I mean, the, the, the floater game and the foul drawing and just the overall craft stuff, is, I agree with you, is, is stuff that I thought he, um, not, that, not that he wouldn't be able to do it, but I was not sure about. And uh, that's kind of the, some of the parts that he's proven to be able to do in addition to obviously being an elite, an elite level passer, which really helps as well. Um, I wanted to, I don't want to spend too much time on Trey because we just do that all the time, as you might, as you might expect. <laughs> uh, we kind of talked about Cam Reddish a second ago, but I wanted to ask you about DeAndre Hunter too, because, you know, clearly the Hawks, I haven't actually talked about this in a while, which is refreshing because I feel like I spent three straight months talking about the, uh, about the DeAndre Hunter trade and all the assets that they traded for him and all that stuff. Um, and I've just tried to talk about the player more than anything else. Um, what have you seen from him so far? Because, you know, he's not, like lighting the world on fire, but he's also been, for the most part, a functioning rotation member of a basketball team, which is not a small thing for a rookie. Yeah, um, you know, I, I was, this was, I, I wasn't super high on this draft class coming in, and the fact that Hunter could be plausibly in the conversation where he was is, like, he's a, he's, I, I think he profiles as a, as a fine, you know, his best outcome is a like a high level three and D guy. I think. I mean, he's he's not a guy with a with a ton of of skill ball in his hands. Um, you know, shoot, defend multiple positions. That's a valuable player. But when you're talking about a high lotto pick, you're you're usually kind of hoping for some upside from more than that. Um, but that like, but the upside from more than that just kind of wasn't really. You know, if you you decide you, for whatever reason you don't really you weren't a big fan of say Jared Culver, which is you know it's a plausible spot to be. Like, what you know, where else are you going? Um, so uh, you know, I think that there's nothing he's done so far. He he shot the ball decently, like, which is encouraging. Uh, it's small sample size, obviously, but um, you know, but the, the, he hasn't shown a lot in terms of becoming uh you know becoming more than kind of that 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 basic kind of three and d outlook um i don't think yeah i mean he's still has relatively low usage as you might expect and the shooting's been okay defense has been okay he's not playmaking defensively that was one of the knocks on him coming into the draft um i'm not sure he's done anything to shed that so far I well think, that's i mean some of that's also a virginia thing like yeah they, no they, I, they, I totally like, agree virginia like, just de- like they they de- they're they're their hearts, their players, them in Arizona, in, in at least in the past, have been hard to evaluate on that standpoint because their style of defense kind of depresses like steals and shot blocking. For sure. I mean, plus plus the pace. Like you throw in all those things and it's yeah. like, all right, well, what are we going to do here? I, I still think that it's a minor concern, but, you know, he's someone who is already like very fundamentally sound defensively. Like he does everything that you thought he was going to do. The Hawks have let him do a little bit more actually th- than I thought offensively early on part of that's because they don't have anybody else to do it but he has had the ball in his hands a little bit more as a creator type than I would have projected coming into the season I'm not sure it's gone all that well but he's done he's shown some flashes he can't he can't go to his left which is something I've I've observed going to his left is not like going to his right he's gonna have to figure that out finishing with his left hand at the rim and stuff but I don't know I mean I think it's about what I expected which I know people, and I tried to tell people this before the draft or after the draft, was like, look, this is a top five pick, but it's not a top five pick in the way that you're thinking about a top five pick. It's just realize what you have in this draft class and all the stuff. Like, I know they gave up a lot to get him, but you can't, he's not a star level prospect in that way. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, I think that, that um, certainly I, 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 around the league, I want to say that the consensus was kind of, uh, it was Zion and then like, like John Morant and our and and 
give or take RJ Hunter. Or not RJ Hunter. RJ, RJ, Barrett. RJ, Barrett. <laughs> RJ Hunter. RJ Barrett. Shouts to Georgia um, State's own RJ Hunter, though, while we're Yeah, here. exactly. Um, uh, um, actually, uh, 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 shout out to former co worker uh, with, with me at the Bucks, uh, Tony Bollier, who used to be uh, an assistant at, at Georgia State. Nice. Uh, so, but. Uh, Local. Um, uh, um, in any event, um, yeah, but so after that, you know, normally there's some, you know, in the top, you know, six, eight, ten picks, there's kind of some of that, a little bit more of that star upside. And it doesn't, it didn't, there wasn't really that, like, maybe if you, you know, you, what you want to think about, like Darius Garland, Kobe White, something like that. Um, but like, they're not, not the sort of the, 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 certainly not the dynamic wing prospects that, that, you know, you kind of hope to see are there. Uh, for a team that kind of feels like it's already kind of set at, at a at a in a playmaking role, yeah, it, it would have been nice uh, had the draft class broken a little bit better for the Hawks, um, just from that standpoint. Because like you mentioned, Garland uh, and White, the Hawks really couldn't take those guys <laughs> given Trey Young. Like I can't, I know the Cleveland's running the sort of two point guard thing, but um, Colin Sexton is not Trey Young, so they could sort of draft over him in some ways. Um, I can't imagine that would have gone over well locally had they drafted a point guard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So we can leave that I mean, for now. But. I mean, the, 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 how much do you care about that is, is another question. But yeah, yeah. no, I, I'm with you. It just would have, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. If it's, it's not even necessarily about that. But if you've I mean, put the, all your eggs in the Trey Young basket, I can't, I'm not sure you can come back and draft Darius Garland. Uh, that didn't, I'm not sure that would go well. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I was thinking, I mean obviously I was thinking like more, more uh, Kobe White just because he's a little bit bigger and, and, and and a little bit more off ball. more of a yeah. more of an off ball prospect. Yeah. Yes, I'm with you 100. Um, percent I'm going to throw a, a little bit of, of a curveball at you now um, to some degree, but it's it's I, I'm sure you're not surprised by this, but some of the uh, fan base decided that Lloyd Pierce is a bad basketball coach because they lost 10 games in a row, uh, which is always funny to me. Um, I was gonna I mean I, I know you have your ear to the ground around the league and you've dealt with coaches and you've been around this stuff. What do you what do you make of Lloyd Pierce so far? I've I've been on record as being kind of a Lloyd Pierce fan. I don't always love everything he does, as every coach would be as an outside observer. But I think he's done a pretty good job. So I, given that he's been sort of in my mentions quite a bit recently, because people are getting frustrated, I'm not really sure why they are. But alas, uh, what do you make of uh, Lloyd Pierce as a I guess second year coach now? It's I don't I don't understand what people are expecting given I'm, I'm with like you, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and and like this is, and I don't think either of us are privy to the degree to which, like, again, if you're if you're trying to win a game tonight, um, you know, obviously you're trying to win every game, but at the same time, there's there's like, especially in a team that that is kind of, you know, where the Hawks are, there's sort of a push and pull between, again, like, yeah, we could, uh, you know, the 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 sort of the I would say the guy who's the obvious point for this is, is Alex Len, right? Is, you know, for, for trying to just win tonight, like you play him a bunch. And if you're, if your priorities are elsewhere, you give him some minutes, but you also, you make sure you get, you get the younger guys some time. And like, you know, uh, that, that's, that's, that's a decision that's made by him, but made by him in kind of consultation with the, with the broader organization and they come to a consent, like, again, not knowing the specifics of how those conversations work. This is just my, you know, generally how it works is like, all right, what are we trying to do here? Um, you know, so yeah, make sure we get Bruno and, and, and Damien Jones some time. Um, 
And I think, you know, for me, I, that seems like the correct choice, even if, like, again, must win game tonight, you'd go a different way. Um, so, but if, if that's like the criticism, like, you know, that's, that's not on him. That's on that, that, that's, you don't like what the, you know, like the choices the org is making. Um, and to the other extent, like there's not, you know, there aren't a lot of good options around this, this roster in terms of guys who are going to make them more competitive, uh, against a tough schedule in a pretty competitive league right now. Um, so you know, and beyond that, like he hasn't been there long enough to have a, a really a great sense of of kind of his his player development chops. Um, that's that's for for a team like the Hawks, that's that's massively important. Like, you know, we haven't we haven't got to see enough of like did Herder get better from year one to year two, just because we haven't seen it. Like, um, you know, over the rest of this year, does does Bruno Fernando get better? Is he does he develop more of a face up game? I know that they've spent some time, you know. He spent some time spotting up in the corner, and that's not <laughs> that's not what you would have thought Bruno Fernando would have ended up as a, looking at him as a prospect. And if that becomes a real part of his game, um, that's credit to to large to 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 some degree to to Pierce and his staff. So you know, I think what you know him being subject to criticism right now is I don't it's premature, and I'm not sure what you're basing it on. You know, if, if we get to the end of the year and like none of the young guys have gotten better and they're still losing games and they, you know, there's questionable stuff like whatever defense they were trying to play on James Harden the other night. It's not again, it's not like there's a good choice there. Yeah, but they, had, like, they had no options there. But yeah, yeah. Like there was there was some bad clips out there for sure. For yeah. sure. So, you know, it's, um, you know, and, and also like um, one of the I think Nick Nurse is right up there amongst the best coaches in the league right now. And big reason why is he's not afraid to try stuff and look silly. So like, like I would, I would suggest to fans to keep that in mind. If like Pierce does something that, you know, uh, doesn't, I, what's he doing? I don't like, he's trying something like let, let, you know, I think you, you want to see that in, in a time where it's sort of consequence free. You want to see that experimentation because that's the sign of, of a coach who's willing to try stuff and, you know, you get as a team progresses, if he's still around, like that's a good club to have in the back. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and you know, they hired Lloyd Pierce knowing full well they're about to rebuild or were already rebuilding, basically. And they prioritized that. They wanted somebody younger with player development background, all this stuff. And I think he checks all those boxes. You know, I there's always an element and I say this all the time when talking about him and any coaches, there's always an element of not knowing how he would handle it when you get to the point when the game when the games actually matter because i know they all matter now and you're trying to win but the games haven't mattered now for a year plus in his tenure so it's like all right that's the next step of the evaluation but yeah i agree i mean it's all about player development stuff and seeing how guys fare and he's got a good reputation and from what everything that i've heard um so i just wanted to ask you because you were here and you're not someone who's in atlanta so yeah no i and and he you know i i you know i'd I don't want to to like I from uh, from people who worked with him in Philadelphia spoke highly of him. Um, you know, I've uh, I'll, I I won't uh, divulge anything I've heard from you know people in Atlanta out of respect for you know their 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 current position, but people who worked with him have have been positive on him. So, you know, it's um and like the the especially again for a team in the building phase like the kind of the organizational stuff, you know, does he have a good player development program is like, 
our guys who are using the the G League, you know, integrated well? Is there is there a program for that? Are is there alignment in terms of like you know your your goals and indicators and stuff like that with the the the, the larger franchise goal? Those are those are things that are invisible to us from the outside, and that doesn't mean you assume he's doing them well. Yeah, it just means that like the part that you see, which is like the 40, 48 minutes, is not is is less than half of his job. So and that obviously that's like some of that stuff is the only part we can judge. But even some of that, again, like some of the rotation decisions are, you know, those are decisions that he is a part of. But those are organizational decisions at, at kind of at this point. Um, so just keep that in mind as, you know, uh, uh, as critiques are being lobbed at him. Yeah, I I, uh, I totally, totally makes a lot of sense. And I was going to ask you sort of before I let you get out of here. I know you know you were in Milwaukee and they weren't necessarily in a full blown rebuild while you were there. Unless I'm wrong about this on the timeline. Um, but you've been on a team that uh, around a team that wasn't you know winning at the highest level. How how does that like? I've asked people around, around the organization this as well. But how does does it change your outlook day to day when you kind of know deep down you're not going to win the title that year? Like how do you how do you operate within an organization when you realize that this is a building year rather than a finished product year. Um, I think that we were like when I when when I came onto the Bucks was you know at, just after like the the kind of the after the All Star break in uh, 2016 when kind of last 20 games of the season kind of put the ball in Giannis's hands and 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 he did some things and people were like whoa and and so then that was no and then that <laughs> He's was pretty good. there was always yeah and then there was there was some uh. Uh, a great ideal of optimism kind of just based on that, even though we weren't there yet, it was like, you know, there was that the cautious and maybe not so cautious optimism about where we would be soon because, Hey, this guy might be like an all-star and more than that. So there's already like, you know, uh, there was, there was kind of the way forward was kind of already there. And then it was kind of, figure out, um, you know, how to facilitate that and put the right, you know, whatever around that, uh, and, and then hope it worked out. And obviously like, you know, I, um, it, it, you know, I think it's fairly self-evident, you it's know, gone, that, it's gone that, well. In yeah, it's gone, it's, it's gone well for, <laughs> for, for him. So that, that was, uh, you know, so that was, um, you know, I, you know, to the extent that there was, that, that, that there was a rebuilding process, like, you know, I, I kind of got there on the uh, at, at almost like the champagne and caviar part. It was like, yep, we got our guy. Uh, so which is, you know, the, the and, and and kind of now now some of the hard parts begin, but also like, OK, no, he's the best player in the league. So that's really good. Um, and that's, you know, that that, you know, you take, you know, that the, the that's certainly a credit to him more than anything else. But there's, you know. Some some things had to have happened, at least not totally wrong, to facilitate that. Um, but yeah, so I don't I don't know how uh, how applicable that is. Like you you hope that's a, a, a an issue you run into with Trey Young at some point. Yep. Um, just by you know basic math, the odds are fairly strongly against it. Just you know for any one player, uh, but that's a good spot to be in. Yeah, for sure. It's it's helpful to have the guy uh, already on the roster. Uh, last yeah. <laughs> last thing, real quick. Um, I, I meant to ask you this earlier, but I realized I, that I, we really didn't talk about it. 
I know uh, the one guy you were around probably was uh, was Jabari that's on this team now. I'm not going to ask you to reveal any state secrets, but what what have you uh, seen from him? Because now that he I mean, now that he's healthy, he's been helpful, and I think you know the Hawks were kind of buying low on him this summer. Obviously, he got he got a player option in the deal too, so he got a little bit of uh, value on it in his own right. But he looks to be um, you know at least functioning well athletically and obviously offensively he's a weapon. So what what have you seen from Jabari so far? So the, this is uh, this is this is a comp- the comparison I've kind of always made for him has gotten me in trouble because like one player is better than the other, but just in terms of uh, kind of almost offensive style as I've like as an offensive player I have compared him to Clay Thompson. Not that he is like a shooter like that, but more that he is a high volume. Uh, pretty efficient scorer who doesn't need the ball. Like his when he is at his best, and he's showing this for for the Hawks now, is like you know catching the ball on the move, attacking a closeout in semi transition, hitting the offensive boards, get, scoring from just kind of a broken floor advantage situation, and that's like I think that that is a in terms of building a high level team. That I think is a super interesting skill set to have because, like, a lot of the you know the better players you're going to have, you, you start to you know you, again, Trey Young has the ball all the time, um, and so and then like you know the 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 second best perimeter player likely will be a guy who also can do things with the ball in his hands, and if your third best kind of perimeter scorer is a guy who can operate almost completely off ball and still be effective. Like that's that's almost like a multiplier effect because you're not these guys aren't fighting for for who has the ball like they can all be completely effective in kind of their own own situations. And that was one of the reasons why like Clay kind of really helped the the, the, those, the Warriors teams gel is because they can have like the third superstar score and still have enough ball to go around for Steph and KD and Draymond to do their stuff because Clay, you know, was going to run around, shoot. When he got really hot, maybe start to create some stuff. Um, and again, Jabari Parker is not on that level as a player, but from a style standpoint, um, has some of those same qualities. And those are very, those are those are very those are those are nifty and you know somewhat in today's age unusual qualities. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've sort of observed, and it's it's all small sample size theater. This early in the year, but um, his efficiency has taken a little bit of a dip since Herder and Collins went out. And I think part of that's that they've had to use him in a role that. That's not what you're saying. Like, yeah. they're basically having to make him the number two option offensively and having him create a lot. And obviously, he's, he's had a couple of big games. He was he was awesome in Milwaukee uh, the other day. Um, but I think I agree with you. I hadn't really thought about it until you said that, and I have never heard that you say that. It's interesting to me that the comparison. Obviously, you know, not the same player, but the low, the the low. Um, I don't know. No, low, low, low. I mean, we have like you can look at it with. Uh, excuse me, with like the uh, the. The, like the touch time data in the in the tracking data set is like yeah. a, in terms of a guy who is a perimeter player who a high usage perimeter player who just does not touch the ball that much who does not hold the ball that much. I think he's and, surprised the people locally, particularly with the way that he's just been finishing so aggressively. And it's the advanced situation stuff that you mentioned. Like he just doesn't hesitate. He just goes, and it's it's been really effective, particularly around the rim. And it helps to have Trey Young there as well to make him um, put him in good positions. But the fact that he's just been able to kind of, I think he's, I think he's a better finisher than people thought he was going to be. I mean, that's always been when he's healthy. That's always been kind of his, like his, 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 you know, his overwhelming physicality around the basket has always been kind of one of his, that and his ability to catch on the move and make a quick play. Um, 
and I, 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 you know, I can't say that that, that I've I've uh, I've watched them enough to be super uh, in depth on it. I, I I do think that he is actually. Um, I'm not going to say he's underrated defensively, but I don't think he's he's actually a decent on-ball defender. Yeah, no, um, I said that. Actually, I, I, I totally agree with you. I've been saying this throughout the throughout the season so far. You know, off the ball, it's it's a mess a lot of the time. But and and but it's also like again, it's it's uh, if if the situation this kind of uh, observation here was when the situation was bad, he didn't wasn't necessarily able to do much to, to salvage it. Yeah. Uh, when stuff was making sense, it was fine. No, I mean, I mean maybe, I've, maybe I've seen not, it here maybe not too. To, I mean, not obviously the systematic stuff is going to be broken here for a while. I think defensively, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's a talent. There's a talent issue there as well. Not just like we're not. I don't want again. I don't want to sound like I'm killing the system. Oh no, not at all. It's it's, yeah. it's, it's talent wise. That's, that's kind of what yeah. I mean too. Like around, yeah. just the pieces around him. But yeah, I I was going to say I agree with you on the ball. He's been largely fine, and I think even when they, um, you know. This was probably more evident when they had Collins early in the year, but when, also when they were playing switch defenses and just switching everything, when there weren't those decisions to be made, and he was suddenly just doing a lot of just read and react, like you're just going whenever he's uh, asked to switch and kind of just be more of an all-ball guy, it's, it's been fine. So I, I, I tend to agree with you. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, in the grand scheme, is he a good defender? No, but I don't think that he is an absolute disaster in the way that you that people might have built him to be in certain situations, like it needs to be good around him, like you're saying. But if you see him on the right now, he doesn't look bad at all. So, we'll yeah, see. and and so I no, I think that that's like he's been a he's been a nice kind of bright spot for for the Hawks uh, early in the year, I would say. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, without him, I don't even know where they would be <laughs> offensively right now. Uh, but anyway, uh, all right, Seth, I've taken a lot of your time, man. I really appreciate the time. Please uh, plug everything, anything you got going on. I know you're very very busy in your uh, new role at the Athletics. So, what's going on over there with you? Um, I, uh, so I, I wrote about the Hawks, uh, earlier this week, um, uh, with, with Chris Kirchner and, and, you know, I think we covered a lot of the stuff that we, we talked about today, but in a little more depth and, and with some pretty pictures. So, uh, uh, check that out. Uh, I'm, I've got my, uh, kind of doing a, a weekly league look around, which is some, just some quick hitters on, on kind of some interesting statistical nuggets. Uh, one of them, uh, is going to involve Trey. I'm, 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 uh, Got did some digging into to uh, some people uh, the the rise in uh, in very deep three point shooting, which um, you know uh, is relevant to Trey's interests, I would say. And then uh, end of the week, I'm I'm going to be writing, I think, in more depth on that uh, on kind of that 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 uh, I'm calling it heliocentrism. That's <laughs> becoming a becoming more of a thing. Uh, and and obviously, I'm going to talk about Trey. So it's kind of a it's almost Hawks week for me anyway. So it's good that I I came on. Go ahead and round it out with the podcast appearance. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks so much, Seth. I really appreciate it. Everybody should be uh, following your work and uh, hopefully subscribing to The Athletic. I, I use my subscription all the time. You're not paying me to say that. Nobody is. Um, but I, I enjoy I enjoy the product, so I'll endorse it for you. Well, thank you so much. As for everybody else, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe, and we'll see everybody at a later time and date. <laughs>